Our second reading this morning is from the Gospel according to John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down there to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their houses. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Resurrecting God. We are here. We thank you for your presence in the garden. We thank you for your presence in us. We thank you for the gift of life. Now may you put into my mouth the words you would have me speak and take from my mouth those you would not. Amen. This Scripture passage is probably one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I kind of say that a lot, I guess, maybe. But but this one in particular holds a really tender place in my heart. 
And when we were talking about Easter, anytime I think about this passage, and really a lot of times now when I think about Easter, I cannot help but think about the power of being called by name. As we see in Mary experiences in the garden, it is when Jesus calls her name that she bears witness to the resurrection. Now, this story has a special place in my heart because it touches on such a personal narrative of mine. Now, I'd like to tell you the story about this young man I know named Alex, and I'll never forget the first time I met him. I was working as the youth programs director at Side by Side, just a few blocks away from here. And at the time, Alex was probably about 15 years old. He wasn't going by Alex at that time. He was going by another name. But when I met him, he first came in to Side by Side and he shook. I saw his hand shaking as he went to sign in that first day. He was there with his mother. And he shook my hand and it was almost as if he wasn't quite there. It was cold and clammy and so tender. Alex couldn't make eye contact with me that first week. And when I asked him his name, he mumbled something underneath his breath. And his mother said, well, he goes by this, but really he, he would like to be called this. He would like to be called Alex. And I said, okay, Alex, it's nice to meet you. Now, in the time, what I saw happen with Alex, as I saw with so many youth, was this transformation, this embodiment that happened. Because what happened was that Alex would come into that space and he sat down in a group of other young people who were all going around and saying their names and their pronouns. A lot of these youth are transgender. And what I saw with Alex, as I saw with so many youth, is that there is something that happens when you are called by name. Particularly for young people who, at that point, Alex asked permission when he first, when I first asked his name. He said, if you would please call me Alex. And if you could use these pronouns, that'd be nice too. And yet what I saw in the years that transpired after with Alex, and not just with Alex, but with young person after young person after young person who came in through those doors on Westwood Avenue was more than just embodiment. It was resurrection. Because I realized so many young people who came through those doors were kind of dead on arrival. And I saw what happened when they were called by name. I saw what happened when they would then claim their name, not just with their families, but with their friends at their schools. And what I saw in my years of working at Side by Side was this radical thing that would happen where not just they would claim their own name, but they would take that and they would run with it. I literally had a youth who said, I went looking for ways to understand my identity online and I couldn't find it. So I decided I would start a YouTube channel. And at that time in 2018, no, 2016, I think maybe 2015, that youth at 17 years old had like 300,000 subscribers to their YouTube channel. All people trying to learn more about what it meant to live into who they were. Now, I realize that where we are at this time in the world, this is a very hot political topic, and it's not my interest to get into politics right now. 
It's my interest to show and to bear witness to the resurrecting life that is in everything. And how a lot of times we can actually get most in touch with that resurrecting life if we allow ourselves to sit and to be present through the despair that comes with death. Because yes, while it is true that death was part of Jesus' life, that his death on the cross was part of it, I think sometimes we forget that Jesus actually rose for us all. Jesus did die as, yes, he died for us. He died because he refused to give in to the death-dealing systems of his day. But really, Jesus came so that we may have life. Jesus did that by living life in such a way that even death could not contain him. And what I realized was so powerful in this experience of watching young people being called by name is that once they were called by name and they claimed that, they would also claim their name. There was a claiming of their name, and that's where the real pivot point happened, is that they were seen in the fullness of who they were. They were then affirmed in that. And what happened then was this resurrecting thing where you would have somebody who said, I want to see more life, so I'm going to create this thing that gives more life to people. I knew another young person who literally took his case to the Supreme Court, was not scared, at least not scared enough to bow down, just began and continued to claim his space in the world. Now, what I found in working with LGBTQIA youth was that there is a particular poignancy that happens for people who've been marginalized by a society, people who've been told that there's no space for you, people who've been told that you are not who you say that you are, people whose names are refused to them. And that's not new. That's not new. If you go to any group of marginalized people, they understand what life means, especially if a system has told them that they cannot have life. As I was working with Barbara these last couple of weeks, and we've been um, working on the food pantry. I'm sorry, I've been learning about the food pantry and what Barbara is doing, Pastor Barbara is doing on Tuesdays and Thursdays in Chate. I don't want to minimize that. But I was there the other day and I was watching how you stretch these dollars and I chuckled under my breath and I said, there is no magic like black woman magic. And I say that, but there is this ability, this capacity for black women, and y'all, this is real, you, this is real, for the, to take something and to say, I'm going to take this morsel and I'm going to spread this. I'm going to make an abundant feast like you have never seen. And I'm going to create a space with such warmth and such energy that you're not even going to know anything other than you're being held by this space. And so here's what I have from those spaces, is that what I have learned in working with LGBTQ folks, what I have learned also as a white person spending time in black spaces, is that that hunger, that thirst, that capacity for claiming that is something, I think, that those of us who have not had to experience that marginalization can miss is there for us too. Now let me break that down a little bit right now. I want to spend time thinking about yesterday, which was Holy Saturday. When I think about if there were a most hopeless day in this world, that would be one of them. I mean the original Holy Saturday. 
Think about it. All of your hopes, all of your investment, all of your time, all of your energy, all of your joy had gone into knowing that this person you were following was the person who was going to make things right. They were the person who were going to say, like, yes, we can live in relationship with one another. Yes, we can live past a world where all of this turmoil is the only thing we know. Yes, we can live into life. And then he was killed. Brutally. Violently. We have all seen enough death in these last few years that I do not need to paint any specific pictures about what that would have been like. We have all seen far too much death. And it is on that Holy Saturday space that I think there is this fear. There was never before a resurrecting moment. You couldn't look back and say it's Friday, but Easter's coming because you didn't know that yet. They didn't know that yet. The sense of hopelessness and despair makes me wonder, do we know that now? Friends, I feel like we are living in this ongoing state of a perpetual Holy Saturday. We are in this space collectively. I don't know anyone who's not suffering. Even on Easter, which we celebrate the resurrection, I know if it's not the case for you, I know that for me, my hallelujah has a little more weight to it than it's had in the past. A little more oomph. A little more realness. We're looking around, and we don't know what to do in the world right now. I don't know what to do to fix the world right now. I don't know what to do with the reality that guns are the number one killer of children. The number one killer of children. Now, friends, regardless of your state on guns, the number one killer of children. We are tearing each other apart. We are looking for reasons not to trust one another. We do not know ourselves. Friends, we do not know what it is to be called by name. Do we know what it is to be seen? Now, I believe fully in the resurrection. I don't know what Jesus' body looked like on that first day. I think there's something between a metaphor and the actual physicality, but I think that there was some spirit, presence, being that was tangible. He says, don't hold on to me. I haven't gone back yet. So there's also some distance that's still there. And yet I fully believe that where we are right now, this moment... I think there are times when the despair of the world is so great that the only option for us is optimism, is total belief in the resurrection and the resurrecting power of God. Because I think when we allow ourselves to get into that space of discomfort, that space of sadness, that space where Mary is like, I don't know what is going on. I don't know how to make sense of it. I don't know how to move through a world with so much death and despair. I truly believe that it's in those moments when someone says, Mary, when someone says, Laura, 
when someone says, Shantae. When we allow ourselves to be seen, to experience the resurrection, I believe that the resurrection shows up. But here's the thing, is that we cannot fix this. Only God can fix this. So as we sit in the midst of this Holy Saturday, this ongoing Holy Saturday on Easter morning, can we step into that space and say, God, fix this. Can we trust the resurrection? Because here's the thing, y'all, we actually do have evidence. We are not in Holy Saturday. That's what we forget. We do have evidence of the resurrection. It's just right now we're at that gut check moment where it's like, are we going to actually believe it? Are we going to allow ourselves to be present enough with what is to recognize how much power we have to transform this? Because here's the thing, is that just like we can't fix this, only God can, God can only move through us. So are we going to take seriously that we really are the embodiment of God here, now, and always? I think we can do that. I believe that we can do that. Because I have seen enough resurrection in my almost 44 years to know that it is possible. I have seen enough magic. I have seen enough hope come from despair. I have seen enough transformation to know that it is possible. But I can't do that alone. Laura can't do that alone. Shantae can't do that alone. So we get to do that together. We don't have to do that together. We get to do this together. We get to learn. We get to heal. But that requires first that we name that we're not well. Friends, we're not well. We are not well. Collectively. Collectively. But we can get well. But we got to start by first letting ourselves be vulnerable, be present with what is, talk about where our hearts are broken so that we may be with one another and they may be mended. Because if we do not name the ways in which we are despairing, we cannot find hope. God can hold us. God can hold us. And we will find that as we let our hands be the tools of God in the world, we will realize that we can hold one another. Claim your name. Claim who you are. If you don't know what that means, then give yourself time to sit and be present with who you are. Each one of us was created abundant, beautiful, whole. Each one of you was created abundant, beautiful, whole. God is within you. God is within all of us. God is always beckoning us to be present and to bear witness to the life that all that is, life through all that is. Give yourself permission to see it. 
to know how deeply you are loved. Claim yourself. Claim yourself. You're beautiful. Amen.